Jim. I know I said I'd be down for a visit this summer, but something's kind of come up. There's so much I want to talk to you about. I'm still dying laughing from all the markups you made in the textbook you sent me. If the teachers union ever finds out you came clean about all the stuff you knew was sketchy when you taught it to us, they'll yank your pension, so you better watch out. It feels like this year I need to commit to a different trip, though. And I can really only afford to do one. Do you have your daughter close to help you move your stuff to the retirement place? It doesn't look so bad from the picture you sent. More importantly, what about all your books? Eric T. and Kimmy are still real close, remember. And I bet they'd love to help you out or store a lot of them for you. Very clever of you, handing out so many A's back then to build loyalty for the future. The thing is, I've been in contact for a while, on and off, with someone from my trapper days, and it feels like we've both finally agreed to meet up there. There's sort of a mystery-solving component to it that I can't really explain. It's going to cost way too much money and take way too much time to make this happen, but I have this strange feeling I really have to go. Something from the past is going to slip away entirely if I don't. I know, you're probably saying, it's me whose 80-year-old bud is going to slip away, you ungrateful jerk. But you sound a lot healthier than I am at the moment. There's a mystery from high school days that still crosses my mind sometimes. Do you by any chance remember, or ever teach, a kid named Jeff Bell? He was in ninth grade with me, but not eighth. I don't know what classes he took. He rode the same bus as Amy Bethune did, so he probably lived over near Weston Terrace. On the first day of ninth grade homeroom, Mr. Singalore asked everyone what they did over the summer. And Jeff Bell said, I'll never forget, I took a bus around the country. He'd ridden Greyhound for three months. And Mr. Singalore never pressed him for the details that I immediately wondered about. A 15-year-old kid riding around on Greyhound for three months? I never saw him in the cafeteria that year, not one time. Just around the halls once in a while. Then the next year, he must have gone to a different high school. About 10 years ago, I came back home for a funeral and to drop it on you. And I was walking along downtown and I saw a homeless guy, clearly homeless, real scruffy and dirty, sitting with his back against the Bank of America on Dover Street. He had a backpack next to him. Looked real cheerful somehow. And I doubled back because I thought I recognized him. I thought, that's Jeff Bell. I went up to him and said, hi, do you remember me? And he sort of vaguely did. And he reached up and he shook my hand and he was real pleasant. I just didn't know what to say, so I said, it's good to see you. And he said the same. And then, like an ass, I, I took out my wallet and I pulled out a 10 and said, hey, for old times, whatever that meant. But he waved it off. He said, oh, no, no, I'm totally fine. And I went away. The thing is, I think he was totally fine. He had that air about him. Like this was his choice. He's not on social media or anything, so I'm not sure if I'll ever understand this guy, Jeff Bell. It's those little mysteries that itch at me 
excuse the weird verb, I really don't need to know how the universe started or if there's a God, but these small things from the past, they call out, you know? There's even a time I remember when I know that gang of miscreants I hung out with all through school went to Palisades Farm without me, and to the state fair, too. Kimmy and Bev and Eric T. and Darius Lumley, the whole AP English class that you misguided so badly. I saw the photos on Facebook when Kimmy posted them, like, five years back. You're in one. I guess they said, hey, come along with us, prof. So you did. I thought about the timeline, and I was confused by that. It made me sort of reconsider my place among everybody and question why I was left out and never told. It was like an astronomer looks up at the sky one night and realizes that the moon had never quite been exactly where he thought it was. Don't think for a second I have any hard feelings about it. I don't want or need an answer about stuff from 30 years ago. It's just another example of this mist covering parts of life. Like this vivid image I have of my mother sitting me down in some strange man's house to have my portrait painted once. A portrait that does not exist. And she never during her life remembered what I was talking about. Anyway, there's a mystery from my foolish college days that trumps all the others. And the fact that I get to share it with someone, even though I barely know her, never seen her, it feels like I'm being called. So I swear I'll come for a visit soon, maybe after Christmas. If any of the gang comes to visit in the meantime, tell them I miss them. Bye. P.S. You know what I found in an old folder? The recommendation letter you wrote for me when I applied to Trapper. Did I never actually send it, I wonder? Why is it here? Looking at it brings up all sorts of feelings, but that's for another time. The reason I've been hesitant, it's just so strange, and I know it's ridiculous, is that uh, you know the one time in life when I did attempt a kind of an epic road trip, it went kind of dark. Um, you know, this was early 20s, and I thought, okay, it's, it's time to do the, the Greyhound trip across America. All right. Great. And everyone was like, ooh, and ah. I'm like, oh, yeah, here I go. Here I go. Uh, just, you know, no real destination. Just hop from bus to bus and see this great country of ours. Um, my girlfriend at the time bought me as a, as a departing gift. And it was called something like the greatest Victorian ghost stories of all time. But this, this was like a 30 CD set of Victorian ghost stories. I thought, okay, well, this will this will uh, take care of the boredom factor, which is which will be inevitable. Uh, the thing is, this set of thirty CDs, as you can imagine, was kind of heavy, <laughs> and and I would had have to buy extra batteries, extra AA batteries. But I was I was excited. I said, okay, this will be my companion on this trip. Dozens and dozens and dozens of different. Victorian ghost stories I had never heard of most of them and all by the same reader, this very accomplished uh, woman, very good, very good reader. So I set out on my, my great journey and I'm rambling around and I'm jumping from bus to bus. And I, I always have this 
book in, in my ears. But what began to happen fairly quickly is that it almost became, maybe the word is toxic, because having this one voice always in my ear and this one book with, with its mostly same themes over and over again as, as the scenery passed by or I was dozing off to take a nap, it was just always there in my ears, in my brain, in my head, this book, this book, over and over. Another day comes up, time to listen to more Victorian ghost stories. And at some point, it kind of like overtook the imagery and the sounds of this journey that I was taking to what? Improve myself and, and learn and, and, and just experience new things. But it was all about the book. The book was like consuming me. The narrative of the trip was no longer about the country. It was about this book. And, and I was already the first week, it was only, only going to be a two-week trip, but I, I was cracking up a little bit. I, I, I had already attained a, um, a creeper. And this is kind of a problem on long-distance bus travel where someone will attach themselves to you. And this guy kind of attached himself to me. He, his name was Haig. And he said he was a, a retired doctor. But this guy, Haig, you know, he, he kind of dressed bad and did not smell great. And he was always unshaven and his hair was kind of uncombed. And, you know, he's, he's riding around on Greyhound endlessly. Like, what? But, you know, so he, he spoke in this very, very educated way. And he knew all kinds of things about all kinds of topics, you know, Roman history and Napoleonic history and mathematics, and, but all kind of tinged with like a kind of a conspiracy mentality, you know, one of those guys. And he just wouldn't let let me be. He says, "Oh, you're you're gonna you're gonna change buses here. You're gonna go uh, where? You're gonna go to like Cincinnati next? Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with you. I'll ride with you." And I began to kind of, you know, mentally fray. Uh, the combination of the book's monotony, which became kind of toxic in this guy, I wasn't enjoying myself anymore at all. We got we got off at this one stop. It was just a scheduled stop at a at a truck stop. And I decided, like, I, look, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna go get a drink down the road. I see a convenience store in the distance, and I'm walking in this guy, Haig, the strange guy, says to me, Oh, I'll, I'll walk with you. Here we go again with, with Haig. It, it was like one in the morning. We're walking down the shoulder of the highway, and he's talking and he's talking about oh God, like the Nixon administration or something. And I stop and I turn and I just punched him in the face. Like something just went so black inside me. And I'll never forget that sound. It was just, I hit him hard. And he went down, went down on the shoulder and kind of into the grass a little bit. And I turned and I just took off. You know, I had my, my backpack with me because I was going to try to do a little kind of grocery shopping at this convenience store. And I just went past the convenience store, took a right, and I just went off into this town. And I kind of walked through it in, in, in like a day. It's like, what have I just done? And I checked into some motel. And I got up the next morning and I walked back to the bus stop. You know, I was keeping an eye out for him. And he didn't show up. 
And I got on the next bus that was headed back toward home. And I, I threw out the CDs. I didn't listen to any more of it. So the whole trip, it just became, it was so weird. I, you know, I, that was like I, the first time I can remember kind of asking questions about myself and my, not just my decision-making, but my mind and what it was capable of, capable of kind of turning on me at a strange moment. I've never done anything like that before in my, or since. I've never hit anyone. So that's you know, just, I know it has nothing to do with, you know, I'm, I'm so much older now. I'm so much a different person, of course, but I just, you know, I, I can't, it's tough to get that, that bad uh, memory out of, out of my mind when we're talking about going back to Trapper and me uh, getting on a bus again, probably. I don't know. That that's intense. Um, we go out on these, excursions to find to find things out about what is my strength you know what is what is like what do i really believe what you know what am i capable of what what wonders beyond my world do i you know have i not experienced yet but many of the things that come up for you are not they may not be pleasant they may be very very dark and that that needs to be part of the part of the package um yeah, I, I, I learned one thing, which was that America is 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 just it's it's just huge, <laughs> it's just huge. That was what I learned, and about myself, uh, you know, I don't want to think about what I learned. It's um... I was listening to this this interview with <laughs> with um, an actor, uh, a British actor, and he was you know he was asked for some of his observations of America because he was he was working here for 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 a stint for a television show. And he said something to the effect of America is just, it's so big. It's so vast that they just, you have no kind of idea. If you're living in say Washington state on the West coast, <laughs> you, you, you think you have an idea what people like in, Oh, you know, Florida are up to, <laughs> but you just have no, there's just no way that you can know, you know, what is going on in the rest of the landscape because it's too much. It's too, it's huge. And, and we just don't. Yeah. And bus travel you know. has a way of making you feel so much more insignificant compared to what you're looking at out the window than even being alone in a car. I don't know why, why that had, why that was, but I felt just infinitesimally small and meaningless. And I'm, I'm just trying to prepare. Oh. I'm just trying to get in the headspace of, of, of feeling like that again. And uh, hopefully it won't be as bad this time. It reminds me of, of I was, I had some writer friends. It was myself and three other friends. We kind of fairly spur of the moment decided to go on this little sort of mini tour around the state. I, I, I had stopped going to Trapper, but I was still... I was still living in the town and we just decided to go around to like three or four cities and just find a place to kind of, we, we wanted to go and do like poetry readings. You know, we would show up, maybe call like one day ahead to a coffee shop or, you know, a bar and be like, can we come and do a reading there? Our plan was to kind of try to find the idea of the, the crash pad where someone might let us sleep on their couch or their floor or whatever, get talking to people and try to find someone who would, 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 would let us come back and crash at their house. 
so we we did actually make this happen successfully but on our, our third i remember our, our third stop was quite strange um we met this you know after we did a we did a reading at a little at a at a, at a coffee house that was open into the evening so we went out afterwards and started to talk to some people at a bar um we started talking to this one oh this this one guy he he was our age maybe a few years older and I can't quite remember his name. Like I want to say it was Jeremy or something. I but I feel like in my memory now, every young man in the nineties was either like named J- Josh or Jeremy or like Caleb. You know what I mean? Like I, I just feel like <laughs> they all kind of blurred together for me in my memory now. So I can't. But he he invited us over. Uh, to to crash at his house so we we started walking and we had been talking uh in the bar about like just uh, scary stories you know because we all like them and i don't know i don't know how it came up he he said he wanted to show us he said he wanted to show us something um we started walking he took us kind of what seemed to be this vast <laughs> endless kind of a network of alleyways anyway we got to this building that was um like a garment factory he took us around to the side of it and there were there was a small there were like a few stairs like three stairs up to a side door that had a a window like a little square window in it he said he said go 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 up and and look and and look in the window and you'll, you'll you'll you might see him I went up and I looked, I looked through this window and what I kind of remember, it was like I, the window itself was in kind of a side, like a storage room or like something where there seemed to be a lot of things sort of piled up. And there were a few, I remember there were mannequins and dress forms like everywhere, sort of pale, uh, featureless humanoid shapes, um, we could see through to what appeared to be a main room with a bunch of tables. And I didn't really know what I was looking for, but I remember I stayed up there for a minute or so. And I, I looked and there were some interior lights. I remember, I think I thought I saw something kind of move, but I, 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 I'm sure that I didn't, I I don't know. I, (laughs) we gathered around Josh or Jeremy or Caleb and said, you know, what, who, what's what are we looking for and he said the button man anyway he he kind of just beckoned oh you know the we should we we started walking back and um walking toward his his house and as we got a block or so away from the garment factory he started to tell us about the button man there were a lot of people around town who worked in this 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 factory and so you could hear you know this extended lore from them there had been a, a period of time where they were having these weird um like like just things would be out of place and odd things would be moved and just you know signs that maybe you know you hear those stories sometimes about people not realizing that someone is like living in their attic for like a year you know but they'll, but they'll just be like, hmm, I thought I had, you know, three sodas in the fridge, and, and now there are two. I don't understand. You know, just like little small things like that. 
this idea kind of started that, yeah, that someone was in, someone was like coming in and out somehow. Someone was living in there. People would, would, would start, you know, started to leave things out, you know, kind of like for Santa, like, like you would for Santa Claus, like employees would, there was like a little bowl on the break room table that people would leave little, little offerings like coins or buttons or (laughs) like, a cracker or just something you know for the for for the the button man they started called the button man anyway this this josh he worked for a cleaning company where he went around and would um do stints cleaning various like commercial buildings um usually overnight uh he was actually uh given a week where he had to go to the garment factory and and clean and he claimed to have seen the button man he said what happened was he he was mopping a floor and he looked <laughs> he looked over to a row of uh, you know a row of a row of mannequins and he said that he saw a man lean out and look at him pale he said he, he had a hat like a derby bowler hat like some sort of some sort of old timey hat he said he leaned over and looked at him and opened his mouth very wide, not making any sounds. And then he disappeared. He just said he lives in there, but he he comes outside too. We went back to his house and, you know, we stayed the night. I don't know how much sleep we got, but... In the morning, we 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 got up to to leave, and we wanted to be on our way. And we 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 went out the front door, and he came he he came out after us to kind of bit you know to say goodbye uh, on the porch. So we went down the porch steps, and he he reached into his mailbox, which was attached to the front of the house by the door. I don't know, maybe he like he didn't get the mail from the day before or something. Uh, he reached into the mailbox and he kind of like he he let out this, t- this shriek and he pulled his hand back and we we all spun around and he he pulled out from his mailbox this like I remember it being this just tangle like this just knotted sort of nesty tangle of string and thread. He looked over to, he had this kind of ratty couch on his porch, um, which I remember seeing the night before. It kind of had a sleeping bag just like bunched up on it. And the sleeping bag was stretched out the length of the couch. And there was a shape. There was a shape under the sleeping bag. Like it looked like someone was under the sleeping bag. And then Josh or Jeremy or Caleb, he just marched right over and like jerk, you know, jerked up the end of the sleeping bag. And there was no one there, but there was like a bunch of it looked like scarves and rags and just like bits of cloth. You know, like in the in the movies when there's a a, a kid who wants to sneak out and do something at night and they leave, you know, they kind of like craft a human shape in their in their bed in case in case one of their parents looks in on them, you know. I, I remember him saying he likes to play tricks. He said, it's, it's okay. I made a trap. 
I don't know. I we got out of there and we were just full of questions, like uh, questions and uh, observances, and just like what in the, what the hell was that? I don't know. It was quite, and I, you know, I still can't quite put it all together. But it was just enough to be very. It's a it's a bit less uh, epic and uh, Kerouacky and and uh, your story, but but it, it it was it was a strange night with a strange person in a strange town with a with a strange, uh, mysterious, possibly dark entity person cryptid. I I don't know. I don't. I have no idea. I to this day, the button man. You know, it, it it actually makes me feel better that so so we've both had a really weird experience out there on the road. So maybe this is kind of like our little exorcism before we uh, individually start out toward Trapper. Maybe maybe this is maybe this is a good thing that we've we've both told these stories because now those things are in the past. Okay, we each had our thing on the road. Maybe in telling these, <laughs> in telling this, we're going to be all right now. It's going to be different. It's got to be different. Hello, old chum. I hope this finds you well. That's what they say, isn't it? But I really hope that, that it finds you well. Does it? Or how does it? A soft shoe around as usual, but... I really do hope that this finds you well. I wonder fairly often how you are. I'm not sure why I wonder. Not because I don't care, but because I'm solid in the notion that you're always doing well. You always were, in the time I've known you, in all the times. You're always on the right track. In fact, I'm sure you're thriving. You're in the pink. You were always so different for me in that way, I guess. I guess I missed something elemental, something really, really big. I know some things, some things of my own, but those often seem like thin currency, and they do more so as I go along. I suppose that's a common condition. It's always what we think we don't have access to, what, if we were different, could help us in the world, that mesmerizes, that unites. Actually, there, I meant to say unties, not unites. But, you know, I found that an opposite word is strangely and frequently the better one to use. They're both still true, and even more true besides. But words are more my gig, I guess. You like bigger stuff. Are you still living in the same neighborhood? The one with the school and the train? I just watched something about a murder there. It was weird and terrible. Something about it makes me scared. Anyhow, I was planning on visiting you this year. I'm not sure how disappointing this will be to you. Possibly not very, but I'm sorry nonetheless. Something has come up for me. Something has appeared and I have to explore it. 
I have to follow it. I probably don't need to explain this to you, and I, I guess I'm not trying or wanting, but I do just kind of want to tell you this odd thing because you're my friend. So, yeah, I gotta, I gotta do a thing. Basically, someone put out a call. And there's at least a clutch of miraculous things about this. That he put out the call. That he was there in the first place. In a similar time. In the cradle of civilization. At least my own. I mean, it's sort of my life. And we've now stumbled through and uh, tripped over and sorted out memories and stuff for years together apart but together and we each have our own dragons to slay in all of this and you know it's kind of a miracle we're searching for the gold a vein of it a legend running under the cliffs and ice and pines of that place I'm trying not to expect too much uh, to expect the world but I think it's I think it's okay for me to do this trip. I want to at any rate, and so I guess I will. Anyhow, enough of all that. Are you still living in the same neighborhood? The one with the driveways, the keypads and HOAs? You know, I thought all this time that I was very unconventional. But I realize now that that left me very unprepared in ways. Open. Do you realize how much you failed me? Every time. Every time it mattered. I was full of quiet excuses for you because I believed. I think there were times when I was interesting to you. Maybe more than interesting, maybe less. I was, I now understand, a specimen, a field trip. I guess I didn't understand how you were, but you should also have understood how I was and acted accordingly. Acted accordingly or stopped it. I don't believe anymore. I think you're gazing into a mirror forever and ever. I don't think I even made a scratch. Maybe for entertainment, you tell yourself I did. Maybe for talk. But my memories of you are starting to grow bones. To make sense? <laughs> the ease with which you put me down for shinier things. The last time I saw you... Some of the traits had grown quite large. You had an impatience for people that I found cruel, disgusting. When I left, when you drove me to the plane, you offered that the reason you enjoyed my visit was that I kept your house clean, that I filled and emptied the dishwasher. All that after... All that after the hours talking over our lives. After so many years. 
where you could have extended warmth and peace. But there's no enemy here. That's out of style and a waste. And not really my thing. I'm going to take a trip with a friend from my neck, my hunting ground, to look for something. It's so specific and yet so ghosty, so disappeared at the same time. To look for a bookstore. It's long gone, we think. We only just remember it, we think. There may be no signs of it at all. We think, we think that it means something. And if we think it, we could be wrong about it. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter much at all. Anyway, that's the trip I need to take this year. Tell me your thoughts or don't. I'll certainly come see you some other time. Some other soon. Sincerely. Attention passengers, plus 31 in Grand Rapids, Lansing. 